195 of Good Luck High Five. That's right. You're listening to a podcast that's for you if you play Magic the Gathering. Whether you are hanging outside having some fun summer times playing. Ooh, summer or magic. it is just too stinking hot for you out there. So you're <laughs> inside playing. We are here for you. I'm one of your hosts, Maria. I'm another one of your hosts, Megan. And on today's episode, it's an episode. It is a it show. It is an episode. <laughs> on today's episode, uh, we have a very special, special episode for you where we're going to talk about the early, early, early days of Magic the Gathering. That's right. We're hearkening back to ye old days of Richard Garfield himself back yes. when he was winning jousting matches before the king and also inventing <laughs> Magic the Gathering. Yeah, that's how long ago it was. Absolutely. 1991, the days of kings, jousting matches, jesters, yeah. towers, uh, dragons. You know how there's no towers these days. Nowadays, I'm like, cannot find a stinking wish tower. Wish I could see a good tower. Anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> But they just, just search the horizon. They just aren't around. Yeah, it's actually a really, really cool story. If you've never heard about the origins of magic, stick around. We're going to tell you the story of how it all began. And even if you think you know, I guarantee you, I'm going to give you some new deets that you didn't know. Wow. Uh, so some you pretty interesting stuff. Promised new deets. New deets have how been promised. How often do you get promised? new deets and delivered new deets yeah i mean a lot of people will promise you a deet but they won't give you they won't give you a deet they'll give you a deet (laughs) this we promise deet we give deet yeah and not like the kind that's bad for the environment (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah have you ever used just like straight up deet oh my gosh only in off you know mosquito spray you can buy just straight up deet for when you're going to places that you really need to not get bit I just love the name of it. Like, hit me with that deet. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds fake. I mean, everything's deet. fake if you think about it hard enough. So true. Except for our patrons, which are oh, very real. Man, our patrons are very real. <laughs> Great segue. Wow. Smooth as Smooth butter, baby. Smooth as silk. Um, <laughs> that is the saying. Or butter, you know. Butter. butter can be very smooth, especially margarine, much smoother yeah, than actual butter. Very smooth. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much to everyone who is a patron of the show over at patreon.com slash GLHF Magic. Yes. We do not have new patrons to announce this week, but that is only because we are pre-recording this episode. Yeah. So Become a new patron so that when we're back, we can just have so many new people to thank. We want to say your name or whatever dumb name you put into the Patreon Doesn't form matter. to we'll make say us it. say. We'll say it. We'll say it. So when will we come back to announce new patrons? We'll on be the back second on the 2nd. Of August, everybody. So become a new patron before August 2nd. Pile them up. You know. So we'll have a big pile to announce. We'll have a pile. That'll be very fun. Yeah. Uh, You can become a patron over at patreon.com slash GLHF magic. We have a few different tiers that you can donate at, or you can choose your own tier. I think a dollar is the lowest amount. Who knows? It might even go lower. So if you want to throw 25 cents at us an episode, we'll take it. We'll take it. That any dollar amount gets you access to our Discord server, which is an awesome place to hang out and talk about magic. We've got tons of fun channels, lots of cool people there. We'll talk to you. We'll talk magic or other things uh Mm -hmm. it's just a great community to be a part of and you know it's just awesome to support creators whose content you consume i always feel better whenever i subscribe to somebody whose stuff i listen to i listen to a lot of podcasts and i love subscribing to the content creators i listen to and it just makes me feel great like i'm like yes let's grow our beautiful little garden of content that we consume maybe you subscribe to hulu what are they doing for you anyways (laughs) what has hulu done for you recently what has hulu even done for you recently come on patreon.com 
slash GLHF magic. <laughs> We're also going to say thank you to Card Kingdom. Yes. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Card Kingdom, cardkingdom.com slash GLHF. An excellent place to go, not only for new product that's yeah. coming out this summer, like uh, Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate or Double Masters 2022, yeah. but also just so many great starter products, if that is what you need. So many great cube products, card products, just deck product, like everything that you need to play magic to get your friends into playing magic. Yeah, you can buy, I mean, honestly, you can buy Double Masters wherever, right? You can buy yes. Battle for Baldur's Gate, Commander Legends, wherever you want. But Card Kingdom is the only place you can get stuff that they have on their website called CK Exclusive. Exclusives, which is stuff like battle decks, decks yeah. designed to play against each other, rookie decks to teach your friends how to yeah. play, uh, their own commander decks that they've uh, built. By the way, you can buy all of the rookie decks, every color of magic for 30 bucks. Wow. Like wild. I mean, they're, they're so no great. Money. Anyway, I love Card Kingdom. Check them out for everything related to magic and their own exclusive products, which are super cool. Yeah. <laughs> Maria. Yes. It is time for a Scryfall randomizer. I'm ready. Okay. We're going to hit the random card button on scryfall.com and we're going to show each other the art and then just kind of like figure <laughs> out if we can, if we know what this card is or does. Um. Okay, Maria, I've got one for you. Oh, great. Okay, great. I need you to describe what you see here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this art is ridiculous. Um, this, <laughs> this looks like just a guy with a mullet in a pile of quicksand. <laughs> yes, and honestly, like maybe he could be wearing like an old school like tunic yeah. or something, but it also just he looks, looks like, like he might be wearing a sweatshirt. He's just from 1991. Speaking yes. of 91, this guy in this art is from 1991 in a quicksand puddle. Uh, it's like a foggy day and he's got his hands up kind of doing thriller. Yes. <laughs> as, he has what can only be described as thriller, thriller hands. Uh, thriller hands going down into the quicksand. Okay, the name of this card has got to be like um, trapped in quicksand or something like that. If the name, if the word quicksand is not in this card, I don't know Magic the Gathering. All right. It is Quagmire. Oh, okay. Quagmire. Quagmire. Yeah, Quagmire. Sure. Quagmire. I guess you could describe quicksand as a Quagmire once you're in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Quagmire. So this yes. card is obviously an older card. Um, this is from an old set of Quagmire. Uh, ooh, ooh. All right. It's a white card. It costs, um, things costed weird stuff back then. It's going to cost four and a white and it's going to, that seems so expensive. <laughs> and it's going to like, it's like a pacifism situation, but you play it and you take your opponent's creature. This was when they didn't know what, what to do with white. I mean, you could argue anyway, but uh, you take their creature and you bury it. So you put, that means put it into the graveyard, but you have to put it at the bottom. So it's like oh. exile, but it's not exile because I don't know if that existed yet when this card happened. So you just take the card, put it at the bottom of the graveyard. Okay. Um, you're exceptionally wrong. <laughs> of course I am. Uh, Quagmire, two and a black for oh, an enchantment. It does uh, have enchantment vibes. Yeah. Um, creatures with swamp lock can be blocked as though they didn't have swamp lock. <laughs> Stellar card. Don't know why you haven't heard of it. Uh, Must be playable. It seems super playable. Yeah, uh, super playable from Legends. Legends. Oh, I was just looking at Legends Maria, art today. It has never been reprinted. <laughs> I wonder why not. Oh my 
gosh, this poor Quagmire just wants a reprint. I know. Wizards of the Coast, the people demand Quagmire be reprinted. (laughs) Beware what you wish for, all right? All right, Megan, here's your art. It's going to be recognizable (gasps) in some way. Um, Okay, this must be a sliver um, because Mm. it is a sliver. It is a sliver. um, It has its you know, big pointy head and kind of weird pointy needle hair um, and big pointy arms. Claw. Yes, exactly. Slivers Giant claw. Just pointy, generally. Yeah. Um, it is what is in, I can't tell if this is supposed to be a swamp or a forest because there's lots of trees, but it has like kind of a swampy vibe. It does. They're, they all look a little bleak. Um, a little, you know, denuded. That's underneath my dating pro- profile, swampy vibe. <laughs> swampy vibes. Oh, mine says a little bleak. <laughs> swampy vibes. A little bleak. Um, yeah, you know, and it, but it's real, it looks real big yeah. as compared to its surroundings, which makes me think that it's um, green and it's something like mighty sliver. Yeah. Um, and guess. it gives all of your other creatures plus two plus two, all slivers plus two plus two. Right, 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 right. Okay. So this name of this is going to surprise you. Oh, okay. <laughs> the name may surprise you. It's called quick sliver. Ooh, quick sliver. Which I think is, you know, a cute play on quick silver, but also yes. anyway, quick sliver. Um, wow. That is very weird because it makes me think that it's like supposed to be hasty or something but that card does not look red at all and if it's red i'm gonna be mad yeah we've been we've been tricked by our i'm gonna be quite angry okay i'm gonna go with quick sliver um is two and a black for a two two sliver um slivers you control have when this creature dies another target creature gets minus one minus one okay Actually, this is green. If I was it right was the first green. time. You should have stuck with okay. it. Green. One and a green for a 1-1 one, one, a flash. Any player may cast sliver spells as though they had flash. Oh. Isn't it kind of weird? Sliver, yeah. therefore flash, and flash is green. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna if this I would have guessed that it gave it gave haste or whatever, yeah. but no, this is um <laughs> The original yeah. oh, great. from Legions. Yeah. I, I understand. I respect what they did here. Um, yeah. I mean, it is uh, green cards can have flash. Yeah. You absolutely. Know. They can. Um, quick sliver illustrated by John Avon of oh, land fame of land fame. Of land fame. John Avon. I get it. It looks, it's a very landy card. Yeah, it's it got is. landy vibes. And this is a beautiful representation of a sliver. If you're a newer magic player and you never played with slivers. Wow. What a thing. Just dive are. into the world of slivers. Yeah. You'll not be disappointed. They're pretty cool. They are pretty cool. All right, everybody. It's time to crack open those history books and get to learning some magic facts. All right, Maria. I am so excited to learn about yeah. the history of magic because do you know what? Here's my understanding. Yeah, let's see. What gonna, do you know? What I'm do you know? real quick give you my understanding of the start of the timeline Great. of magic. Great. Let's go. Richard Garfield has the idea for Magic the <laughs> he makes alpha well, he makes beta uh-huh. sometime amount of time later kai buddha wins player of the year a bunch of times very good very good we've wrapped it up boom there it is that's the beginning that's of magic the beginning of magic that's all you need to know yeah right like what else is there i mean honestly i feel like that's what most people probably know about the history of magic yeah. if they know that you knowing that about kai buddha like that's that's a yep. whole other level all right they'd be like i don't know it was made like in the 90s yeah. I think that's what people would say. The end. There's like um, Black Lotuses. I think the card that uh, p- people who don't play the game know about. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's- when the card they should know about is Ancestral Recall. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ancestral Recall hasn't had its day yet with non-Magic players. <laughs> uh, we're going to specifically start at the top, especially when the game was under development and, and, and in playtesting because mm-hmm. the game was playtested, just like games nowadays are playtested and you have to do it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a game with a bunch of problems. <laughs> um, so yeah, the year, like I said, is 1991. So let's <sighs> take us back to 1991. Um, 1991. Yeah, take us back. What was happening with you? Um, what was happening with me? I'm just going to see what was going on in 1991. I, I was, I got my first cat sometime around that time. What was its name? Vanilla. Oh, that's cute. It was a little calico <laughs> cat named Vanilla. Wow. Very cute. Um, my sister was born sometime the next year and I was mad about it <laughs> at the time. Um, I was mad about it. You know? Okay, so 1991, everybody. Operation Desert Storm is happening. Uh, we have the so first steps to dissolve the USSR. Oh, happening in 1991. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer happens in 1991. Wow. Jeffrey Dahmer. Just bringing the whole thing down happens. here. He happens to people. Oh, man. Boris Yeltsin what, uh, won the first election in Russia. I have been to Boris Yeltsin's grave. Fun fact. (laughs) What a fact. What a fact, right? Fashions. Okay. Oh, I can click on 1991 fashions. That's very funny. Let's hear about it. Uh, Oh, wait. No, no. This is giving me old fashions. I don't want to hear about that. I want to know specifically in 1991. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the... uh, the World Wide Web was just starting to be born in 1991. Wow. So, like, it was a very, very new. Um, yeah. So, like, that's a whole kind of alien landscape when I describe the things I've just described. <laughs> Honestly, um, that's kind of what it sounds like. And that it was the environment amongst which magic was birthed. Um yeah, so Wizards of the Coast, what was Wizards of the Coast back in 1991? It existed, um, but it was just this guy named Peter Adkinson, and it was run out of his basement. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So that he's where like, all good companies start. Every good company starts in some guy's basement, and uh, Wizards of the Coast was printing role-playing games and oh. supplements for role-playing games. So that was their jam back then. Um, and uh, the, the guy that we all know, who has Richard Garfield, the, the daddy of magic, comes up to this guy, Peter Atkinson, who's doing Wizards of the Coast. Uh-huh. Um, and Richard Garfield at this time is a doctoral candidate in something called combinatorics, which... That sounds fake. Is ma- that sounds math. so fake. <laughs> it's math. It sounds exceptionally fake, but okay. It's the math of counting things and the patterns and repetitions of counting things. Yeah, you're like, It's one, the math of counting two, things. Three, great, great. Four. All right, give me my doctorate. <laughs> oh, I just also wanted uh, to let you know yeah. um, the uh, the album Nevermind. Oh, Nevermind. It uh, came out in 1991. Great. Wow. So, there you go. Okay, fabulous. Um, so Richard Garfield meets Peter Atkinson. Garfield is getting his doctorate in combinatorics, as I said. <laughs> and Richard Garfield. Sorry, I have to tell you one more music fact. Oh, okay, go. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's, this is, in theory, one of the top albums of no the way. year in 1991 what? by a band called Mud Honey. It's not a band. The name of the album is Every Good Boy Deserves Fudge. (laughs) I can't. I I can't handle it. 
<laughs> well, if you're right. a fan of Mud Honey, let us know. If you know any song off that album, I've please. never heard of it in my whole existence. All right. Uh, more notably, Pocket Full of Kryptonite, the album from the Spin Doctors, comes out. Ooh, nice. Does All that right. have two princes on it? I believe it is the <laughs> album with two princes. <laughs> Um, anyways, anyway, right, we can keep talking. We can go back to Richard Garfield, counting doctor, <laughs> getting his yes. doctor and counting, approached Peter Atkinson in his basement house, um, business studio, and was like, "Hey, do you want to make this board game that I made? It's called Robo Rally." All right, now we're gonna go back in time a little bit um, to establish who Richard Garfield was. So Richard Garfield loved making games and mm-hmm. loved playing games and had done so his entire life. His dad um, was an architect and his oh. dad was kind of a cool architect. He would go around the world to places like Bangladesh and Nepal and um, bring Richard with him. And he didn't speak the language, of course, over there as yeah. a little kid. And so he would find other little kids to play with, but they didn't have a common language. So they would play cards or they would play like dice games or they play with marbles or whatever. Yeah. And I think that might be like one of the, you know, formations of Richard Garfield is using games as a common language wow. from a very young age. Fascinating. That's very cool. In developing them. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know that about him until recently. So I think that's kind of really neat. And so he grew up just making games all of the time. Um, one game that was very popular before Magic, of course, was Dungeons and Dragons. And um, he had heard about Dungeons and Dragons, but he had never like seen a rule book or learned how to play it officially. He mm-hmm. just kind of heard through the grapevine. Like, first of all, pause. Like, you just, you can't look it up. <laughs> I know. Like, let's talk about 1991. You can't just, or yeah, when you're growing up in the, 80s, gro- in the 80s. In the 80s. In the 80s, you can't just be like, hello, Google, what, what is, is Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons? Dragons? Wow. He just Wild. heard about it. And yeah. then he was like, well, that sounds like a fun game. I'm going to imagine what that game is. And then I'm going to make my own version of it. Yeah. Which was, you are in a dungeon, you're battling monsters. And at the end, you either win or lose, which is not what D&D no. is. It is but not. That's what he thought it yeah. was. And then once he actually learned what it really was, he was like, oh, I like my version better. <laughs> um, but Classic. Anyway. There's got to be some amount of that kind of ego yeah. when you're making a game like Magic. <laughs> he didn't like how open-ended it was. Yeah. And um, yeah, and how like little control. And if you like making games, having open-ended stuff like where the, the DM can do essentially whatever they want yeah. within certain bounds is probably got to feel a little uncomfortable to you. Um, so he decided to make his own game, still based around the idea of magic and that magical universe. And it was mm-hmm. called Five Magics. That was the name of the game. Um, and so you hear, you're seeing where this five is, comes in later. Oh. This the five colors of mana everybody he wanted uh people's magic to be drawn from five geographically diverse areas yeah and that's where we get our mountains and plains and swamps and forests yeah isn't that so cool that is very cool yeah so the name um of magic we'll get to how that actually he actually ended landed on that later Mm -hmm. on but that's what he was kind of playing around in his head with since high school yeah okay so he had tried a lot of this stuff i wow he had like made like little game components um i i saw him holding up something that was the size of a sheet of paper like a full sheet of paper that just said swamp on it (laughs) with like some squiggles like that was Great. a swamp. An early swamp. An early swamp was a full Just a sheet, of, sheet paper of paper that says, says swamp. swamp on it. So that's his life. He's um, combinatorics, studying combinatorics, making a lot of games. Games are his hobby and his passion. Mm-hmm. And combinatorics 
obviously plays into making games because looking for patterns and that kind of thing like makes total sense why you would be interested in that and interested in game design. So he makes this board game, Robo Rally, right? Yeah. And he's like, this game is great. I'm going to pitch it to Wizards of the Coast. So he is like, will you make my game? And Peter Atkinson, the guy in the basement is like, oh, this is a really awesome game, but I can't make a game for you. Like that's like, you need a lot of stuff to make a game. You need to be able yeah. to make the board. You got to make the pieces, make the cards, you know, whatever, all the different components. We just don't have that capability right now yeah. out of my basement. So uh, he's my like, basement doesn't have a card printer. <laughs> he's like, think of a different kind of game and then come back and pitch it to me. Cause I like this idea, but we just physically can't do I it. I can't make components. So scale it back, buddy. And he's like, why don't you make something that people can play while they're waiting at line in conventions? So between other games, yeah, between the real quote unquote real games that they're playing, waiting around being bored game, that's what I want you to make. And yeah. Richard's like, yeah, all right, I can do that. Which to be fair, some of our other favorite games are waiting around games. Well, for sure they are. Yeah, Love Letter, perfect waiting around game. Oh, it's game. a great waiting great around game. game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so he was like, okay, I'll, I'll think about that. So he thought back to five magics that he'd been working on for a long time. And he um, was like, the thing that intrigues me most about this idea is people playing cards. He thought a card game would be perfect for this because it's more portable. Um, is that people can make their own rules to the game and kind of create their own game through playing cards. And each card changes the rules of the game. Oh. And that was what he was most interested in. And as we can see now today in magic, that's exactly what magic does. Yeah. Every time you play a new card, you change the rule of the game. Yeah. Now all my creatures have vigilance. Now all the creatures are dead. Now your life totally My favorite dead. rule. Now all the yeah. creatures are dead. <laughs> now I take an extra turn. <laughs> my other favorite rule. Your other rule. favorite rule. And I love thinking about magic like that because I don't think I thought about magic like that until I learned this fact about Richard Garfield. Like, yeah. why is this game so genius? Why does it last so long? There's a few answers to that question, but I think one of them paramount is that every time you play a card, you change the rules. Yeah. I think that's amazing. really, really cool and unique idea. Um, he also loved the idea of your power coming from lands, which we've mm -hmm. talked about before. And he was hiking in Multnomah Falls with his family and he had his Eureka moment, yeah. right? And I love What's this. What's his Eureka moment? Well, okay. You love a good Eureka story, right? Yeah, you love a Eureka moment, because man. Because not every like great invention has a Eureka moment, but magic no. does. And that makes me so happy because it's just such a neat thing to happen. So he's hiking this beautiful waterfall and he's like, Here's the angel's trumpets. <laughs> and he's like, oh. He hears the aliens humming. Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone has to have the same cards. Whoa. Boom. Fireworks, fireworks, angel's yeah. trumpets, alien sounds, brain explosions. Um, and that was the that was the moment that changed games forever. Ever. Wow. Nobody had thought of that before. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was like, no, we all have the same thing. We're playing with the same things. Even yeah. if you're playing with a deck of playing cards, you, like it's always those same 52 cards. It's if you're playing a game of sorry, you're always drawing from that same deck, whatever. Yeah. You have the same stuff. He's like, no, what if it was different <gasps> decks, different cards? Wow. And that moment, I cannot stress this enough, change the history of games on planet Earth. Wow. Yeah. What a thing. I just think that's so, Thanks, so Thanks, cool. Falls. Thanks, Multnomah. You were beautiful enough to inspire you know, this exactly. <laughs> Take a good long walk in nature if you're feeling stuck. Yeah, if you're feeling stuck, Maybe go to the you'll falls. change the face of gaming forever. 
So uh, he goes back to Richard Atkinson and is like, oh, excuse me, Peter Atkinson. And he's like, hey, I've, I've got this new idea. And he explains the idea to him. And this is when I remember when I said the Internet was baby here. Yeah. It was so baby. So baby that people were just like using me, like message boards or whatever yeah. and uh, using Usenet, if you know the early history of the Internet. And Atkinson writes on a Usenet message board, quote, if executed po- properly, this would make us millions. Wow. So you were wrong. <laughs> it made you billions. <laughs> <laughs> I love that foresight for yeah. him to recognize this is the greatest thing that has ever happened in gaming. Like, yeah. well done. Wow. Well done, sir. You yeah. nailed it. Um, and six months later, just six months later, Richard would have a version of magic to show to Atkinson and be like, this is the product that I'm bringing to you. Wow. Which is so wild. Cause can you imagine inventing magic in six months? <laughs> no. <laughs> These days you can't even, you couldn't make a set in six months. I'm like, what can you do in six months? Like, no, not a lot, not a lot, but he made not magic. Invent magic, the gathering. Um, <laughs> I'll get to the name later, but yeah. although in a way it is also a lifetime of work. That's true. Up to that point. Ne- yeah. A lifetime up to that point to get to there. Yeah. Um, so Richard, like I said, he's, uh, at the university of Pennsylvania and he's okay. a member of the bridge club, <laughs> which of course, of course he is. He is. Um, and he's hanging out with his bridge club buddies. One of those buddies is a guy named Barry Reich. And, um, he's like, Barry, Hey, do you want to learn this game that I am developing for wizards of the coast or like whatever that I'm yeah. making? And maybe they want it. Um, and Barry's like, yeah, sure. And Richard at this point had about 150 cards, which he'd Mm -hmm. made up. And when I say cards, what I mean is little squares of paper (laughs) that had photocopied text on them with art photocopied from like books or whatever. So if you've seen any versions of these playtest cards, if you haven't, go look them up. They're super cool to look at. And they're just like, you know, they just photocopied stuff on the printers and that's how they made the cards. He's got about 150 of them. They go to the astronomy lounge at the University of Pennsylvania and they play with these playtest cards and they start in the evening and they don't stop playing until seven o'clock the next morning. Oh man. And Barry's like, wait, what time is it? Wow. You know, he didn't even know the night had passed. That's how into playing this very, very first game of magic ever. Wow. That's the first magic game. Incredible. Yeah. And congratulations to Barry. Barry. Yeah. And Barry's like, yeah, I didn't even realize, you know, <laughs> that it was 7 a.m. People were walking around campus and I was like, what's going on? Oh, I guess it's the next morning. Oh, good morning to me. Um, and can you just imagine having that kind of experience? Going in, playing this new thing, and being so enraptured with it that you don't even realize that night has passed and it's the next day. I think we can all relate to that when we first learned magic a little bit. Yeah. You know? But imagine it was even, like, it was, it was not a the thing. the first game of magic ever played. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Barry has an alpha rare sheet as well. <gasps> an uncut alpha rare sheet. I mean... <laughs> Wow. Which, you know, wow. you think you would like give it to someone for being a bro to play yeah. the first version of your game ever, but hey, I've, buddy. I've seen it. It is impressive. Wow. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, he's Barry says he knew from the start that this was going to be a huge, huge game. So Richard is like, okay, let's get some more people in on this. He gets the physics grad students in on this. He gets the the rest of the bridge club in to test this. 100% pure nerd energy. So many nerds. Going into this game. 
Um, and right, like I said, there weren't a lot of cards that he was starting out with here when he was making this game. Friends started roping in other friends to play this game. Um, and it immediately, this is a quote from one of the early playtesters, quote, it immediately took over everybody's lives. <laughs> That's a qu quote from Don Felice, one of the early playtesters as well. And... Um, yeah, I mean, like, obviously wow. it did. Richard Garfield single-handedly ruined the yeah. physics program at the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's gone. They don't even have it anymore. They don't even have a program because anymore. it just fell into ruin. <laughs> <laughs> fell into ruin that day. Never to be retrieved. Um, and I think it's just so cute because they were like, we were going to pizza parlors and we were playing everywhere we possibly could, just throwing down on the floor with these random cards that Richard would give out to people. So once they started to... Um, kind of get a more established play group going uh, early on, Richard would give out 60 card decks to people randomly. Mm -hmm. And he said decks were to be 40 cards. So prophetic that he knew limited was the best way to play magic. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd get 60 cards, you make your deck out of 40 cards and then your other 20 cards were to be traded. Oh, those were your currency, right? Yeah. So you could get whatever you wanted from other people because the deck of 60 you had, had all five colors of mana in it. Um, and so if you wanted like just a green deck or whatever, you'd have to do some pretty heavy trading around with people who are like, oh, I want to play a black deck or whatever. Wow. So that was how he set it up, which is very smart. Yeah. And as far as like rarities and all that kind of stuff, like he would make one copy of a card that was quote unquote rare. And then like, you know, 10 to 15, which were quote unquote common. What does that mean back then? Who knows? But that was kind of the distribution. Here's another, um, guy who was interviewed about being an early playtester named Joel Mix said he couldn't stop thinking about the game, which yeah. I recall being like when we first learned, like, yeah, you think about magic all the time when you first learned all the time. Um, and that nobody knew what all of the cards were. Yeah. There was no way to know. I mean, much like Richard Garfield couldn't Google what is Dungeons and Dragons in the eighties. <laughs> you couldn't Google what, <laughs> what is in this red What's green in this deck? set? You know, nobody knew. Yeah. Like I just, wow. he just handed me these it's cards. It's just the mystery of whatever Richard Garfield gave you. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, but I played against this one person that this super cool card that was really powerful. What was it? Oh, tell me about it. Which made for the most exciting time for these people yeah. because you had no idea what existed. Richard was the only person who knew what all of these cards were and what they all did. Um, they also said, rest in peace, the bridge club also. Yeah. yeah the bridge club. I was like, screw bridge. Yeah. <laughs> we don't play this new game. Um, he said the playtester said they didn't really understand the power of some of the cards, which would come to be iconic in magic. And to be fair, people didn't when they first yeah. were playing the first edition of this game. Like they didn't know that Black Lotus was the most powerful thing. They didn't understand like one person traded a forest for a Mox Emerald because mm -hmm. he thought he was like, these are the same thing, essentially. Why <laughs> wouldn't I make this trade? Right. Because yeah. he just didn't know, um, which I think is super cool. Something Richard talked about about this whole process was the economic side of the game happening during this play testing, mm -hmm. which was seeing all of these players trading and figuring out what was valuable and what yeah. wasn't and whatever, which I think would be so cool to see on kind of this microscopic level as mm -hmm. they're all learning the game for the first time. And he said he loved to see that. Um, there was also of course problems with the way ways cards were worded in the play test, which I mean, Honestly, there was problems with the ways cards were worded up until like even yes, a couple of years yeah, ago. Not that long ago. You could argue it's still happening. Every once in a while. Templating. Very, very, very important. And like, you know, society and culture evolves. Language evolves. So that's going to change over time, too. And also, like, you have to be so clear. Yes. And that's really hard sometimes. And I'm going to give you a fun little example of an early playtest card, which was called 
<laughs> Starburst. Two in a red for a sorcery. Said, quote, opponent, opponent loses next turn. Wow. It sounds like they lose the game yep. next turn. <laughs> I assume that what they wanted to say was that opponent doesn't get their next turn. Yeah. Skips a turn. Skips a turn. Wow. Uh, opponent loses next turn. Yeah. yeah. So somebody comes up Great. to Richard and they're like, I just have found the most powerful card that you have made for magic. And it's this card, Starburst. Opponent loses next turn. And Richard's like, oh, no, that's no. not what I meant. I mean, to be fair actually still very powerful yeah taking it says take, take an, an extra, extra turn, turn yeah for two in a red yeah two in a red wow busted <laughs> so i thought that was a funny little nugget of something that happened um so yeah the game is uh formerly introduced in 1993 at the origins game fair in dallas texas garfield did want to go instead he wanted to introduce it on gen con but he didn't have enough money so he oh. was like I, i'm gonna go to down to texas i'm gonna tra- try to raise that money there um and while he was in texas at the wizards of the coast booth showing this off eventually was the coast was like okay we'll give you forty thousand dollars okay wow hot 40k A hot 40k in 93 to make the first run of magic so it had its general release on august 5th 1993. Wow. After shipping the orders, Adkinson, so this is Wizards of the Coast basement guy, and his wife drove towards Milwaukee while making stops at game stores to demonstrate the game to drum up support for Gen Con. Wow. Which is the biggest board game So convention. they just drive into a game store and they're like, hey, hey here's our game. Check this out. It's brand new. Who's in here? Do you want to see this? Yeah. Uh, their initial stops were quiet, but word of mouth from previous stops spread. And as they traveled south and west, they found larger and larger crowds anxiously awaiting their How arrival. How does word of mouth even work in 1993? <laughs> it was all you had. Does someone write a letter to their friend and mail it? And the mail happens to go faster than Peter Atkinson's car? <laughs> I guess there was only mouths. They had telephones, but whatever. Mouths were the only form yeah. of knowledge transfer in 1991. Books didn't exist. There was no yet. such thing as a book, no such thing as a newspaper. 91. It's a dark time. It was a long time ago. Uh, so Richard met up with Atkinson at Gen Con, where their shipment of 2.5 million cards had arrived, delayed by a day, and by the end of the convention, they had completely wow. sold out. That's a boatload of cards. 2.5 million. That's Gone. so many cards. Gone. Gone. That's Over amazing. Over one weekend. Yeah. So that's just my, blows my mind. Um, so by October, they had sold out a supply of 10 million cards. Yep. Yeah. Which is, right, they got started in August, remember? It's yep. not like it took them a year to sell 10 million. No. It took them a matter of months to send, months. spend. Uh, mm-hmm. To sell 10 million cards. It's just unbelievable. That's Alpha and Beta, by the way, these printings. And Wizards, they say, was reluctant to even advertise the game because they were unable to keep pace with existing demand. Wow. They're just like, don't. Hey, you can play this. Don't tell anybody else about it, please. (laughs) We don't have the ability. Here's your pack. Now shut up about the game. (laughs) Can you believe that? A company not even advertising. Yeah. Because it was so good. Um. Then they made Arabian Nights after Alpha and Beta, which was their first expansion of the game, in December of 1993. By the end of 1994, more than one billion cards had been printed. That's so many. Can you imagine? No. That kind of success is unbelievable. Overnight. Truly Truly overnight. overnight. Really. Yeah. And by the way, I said I was going to talk about the name of Magic. Um, yeah. They... 
they were going to call it magic, but then they're like, we can't copyright that. You can't trademark just the word That's magic. That's just a word. It's just a word that people use. And so they were going to call the game Mana Clash. Boo. <laughs> which is much worse. Yeah, glad that they <laughs> veered away from yeah. that one. And then they decided on Magic the Gathering because then they're like, oh, we can trademark that. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> but it was called other things throughout the playtest process, yeah. too. Um, but anyway, yeah. In 1996 was the launch of the first Pro Tour. Wow. Three, only three years. Only three years later. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, I just love this story because uh, can you imagine being one of those playtest people? I mean, no, because I would never be a physics major <laughs> or study combinatorics yeah. or be in the bridge club. Well, I mean, that's a little bit more yeah. of a chance of that. But um, gosh, how exciting would that have been? Really cool. You know? To play this new awesome game the first time it's ever been and just yeah. have it take over your life. Just be like, to hell with the stars. Yeah. I'm playing a card <laughs> game. I just think that's so fun to have those experiences that completely consume you for a little while. And you're yeah. so excited by this new and exciting thing. And that was what it was like for them, uh, learning magic for the first time. Um and of course, they they all still like love and play it today. Yeah, um, which is so cool. A lot of them still have their playtest cards. Yeah. Um, and I there's there's video of uh, one person playing with his son with the playtest cards, Aww. which is very cute. So cute. And I'm like, put sleeves on those things, please, <laughs> please leave them. Um, if you want to see a video version of the story I've told you, you can check it out on YouTube. Just search for the beta play the um alpha playtesters. And you'll find Enter the Battlefield episode video I edited and made um, a couple of years ago for the Pro Tour. And you can see like the cards in action and stuff and hear yeah. from people. It's wow. really cool. Amazing. Um, and also I love the Eureka moment. That's yeah. also my favorite thing. Can, can you imagine? Magic changed everything. Yeah. You're just hiking along, hiking along a little waterfall. Games before Magic were like Monopoly. Oh, Monopoly. Pinochle. I mean, wow. I love a good cribbage, but yeah. it's not magic. No. You know? Very little is. <laughs> and eventually Robo Rally did get made. Was the Coast did eventually make Robo Rally. I do Robo remember Rally. Robo Rally being a thing. I've never played it. Me neither. I wonder if it's good. I'm sure Who it is. Who knows? But Richard Garfield has said, he's like, you know what? He's still making games, obviously. He's made a lot of other hits, like King of Tokyo, huge hit. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I will never make a game better than magic. I mean, you can't, you can only reinvent the wheel once. <laughs> Wait, no, you can only invent the wheel invent once. Invent the wheel once. You can only invent the wheel once. Yeah. And then it's there. Then it's the wheel. And then, then you're like, the wheel. how do you beat the wheel? Exactly. You can make it different and fancier, but like, still it's wheel. still the wheel at the end of the day. Do you think someone's going to make, invent a new wheel? In gaming? In gaming. Wow. That's my question to what you. What a good question. I mean, I'm like sitting here thinking like, has somebody beat the wheel? And I guess airplane has beat the wheel, but yeah, it's not really the same thing. But it is, it is this is conceptually sort like of travel similar. situation. So you could argue that airplane beat the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's the new rock, paper, scissors. Airplane beats wheel. It's airplane wheel. Yeah. Foot. So you've got to think of that Richard here made a game that... He, we have our access of gaming, right? Yeah. And it just goes, joink. Like he completely goes off in a different access, making a tradable collectible card game that not with the, with the idea that not everybody has to have the same components mm -hmm. and that juts off the access in a different direction. So what something else would have to happen in gaming to take it off in another direction. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Wild. So will it happen? Has it happened in your opinion? If you're listening to this, 
Um, you can always tweet at us at GLHF Magic if you have thoughts on this. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Um, I would just, I'm just so interested to see. And I mean, honestly, you can think about that. Magic's even trying to do it to itself. Yeah. In and a way. It often succeeds, like often re, like the, changes magic fundamentally. Yeah. Often. Like think about um, now that we're getting into Baldur's Gate, we have the digital only mechanics happening mm-hmm. on Arena. You could argue that that's a little bit. Of yep. magic trying to reinvent itself in a way. Um, companions. Companions. Notably too busted. Yeah. <laughs> way too busted reinventing magic. Richard um, every so often comes back and works on new sets at Wizards of the Coast oh, yeah. as well. So He's who I have to thank for sagas. He made sagas, everybody, yep. which has been our favorite new invention in magic. Yep, for um, for Dominaria. Dominaria. Um, and he, oh, I wonder if he'll come back again, you know, yeah. within, a, he usually does every few years he'll come in and work on a set. So possibly with all this historical stuff that we have coming up, like yeah, brothers war, brothers and- war. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see Dominaria United or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe he'll come back for that. Um, and he, he's going to make an appearance at magic 30. They said, um, they announced that. So I'm like, Oh, will he be saying something cool or will it just be like an interview, yeah. which will also be cool. But like. I just love that he's still involved with this game and still innovating because remember when sagas happened and we're like, wait a second. These are, they were so cool. They are so cool. This is the, still bit, one the, of the best change things. that we've seen yep. happen in the magic design space since we've been playing. Yeah. And Richard Garfield was responsible for yep. it. Absolutely. This guy's brain, put it in a jar, make sure it's always around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, Maria, I have a question for you. Yeah. And do you know what Richard Garfield looks like? Yes. Well, never mind then. Do you not know what he looks like? I was going to ask you, like, if I mean, I edited that video. <laughs> if that's, okay, fair enough. If you don't know what Richard Garfield looks like, what do you think he looks like? Because I realized that in my mind, I just imagine him as taller Mark Rosewater. <laughs> whenever I'm trying to, whenever I mean, I, we're talking about Richard Garfield and I'm like, I have to picture this person. I just picture taller Mark Rosewater. Taller Mark Rosewater. That's funny. I mean, you know. He is taller. <laughs> well, okay, but no, he looks very different. Did you know that James A. Garfield was Richard Garfield's great great grandfather? I don't even know who you're talking about. The president, the president of the United, the twentieth oh. president of the United States. Wow, James That's A. Garfield. Wild. So maybe James A. Garfield was good at designing games and stuff. You know, back in when he was president in 1881. <laughs> I'm gonna say that if I had to describe what Richard Garfield actually looks like, he looks like a man that you would cast to play a physicist in a film. <laughs> about he does. Physicists. He does. He wouldn't be the main physicist, but he would be background physicist. I've heard him described as imp-like on more than one occasion. Oh yeah. And also, he never wears matching socks. Do you know what? He looks a little bit like Brian David Marshall. He kind of does. Right? I see it in his yeah. face. Yeah. And of course, he's featured on a magic card as well. He's been enshrined on a magic card in the <laughs> art. Um, anyway, our founding father, Richard Garfield, related yeah. to James A. Garfield, James A. Garfield, not related to Garfield the cat. But you could argue, is Garfield named after James A. Garfield? Then in which case he is related, related to Garfield the cat. Wow. <laughs> Maria, I know that you've been waiting to hear um, what Entertainment Weekly wrote about the album Every Good Boy Deserves Fudge yeah, by I Mud have Honey. Been, I have been waiting. Um, Mud, Mud Honey, <laughs> by the way, is a grunge band. It um, does sound grungy. Entertainment Weekly wrote, quote, imagine the heaviest of Black Sabbath heavy metal, only somewhat speeded up and with added touches of humor, and you have a good approximation of the Mud Honey way of life. That sounds terrible. Well, it's, you know, not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> 
Wow. The spin alternative record guide called the album, quote, charming, writing that a revitalized sense of hooks connects Mudhoney more directly back to 60s garage. A revitalized sense of hooks. Yeah. Oh, so Garfield the Cat is named after Jim Davis's grandfather, James Garfield Davis. Oh. So he's not related to Richard Garfield. Oh, well. (laughs) But unless James Garfield Davis was named after the president. Now we're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. The size of 10 rabbit holes. Gosh. Okay. Well, let's fire up some mud honey before we start. Um, okay. The next well, part of first the show. I have to tell you the yeah. name of their debut EP bef- oh, before, yeah, yeah. which is Super Fuzz Big Muff. <laughs> Can you say that on there? <laughs> It's time to say thank you to our sponsor, Ultra Pro. That's right. We have here um, two things. One is just like a set of their Eclipse dice because we just love them. This is their color of the month. It's a beautiful sky blue. Gorgeous. Um, They come like so many different sides, so many different kinds of dice. Yeah, this is an 11 dice dice set. Needs. You've got four, you've got D4, four D6, D8, two D10s, D12, two D20s. Like they come in this uh, like clear acrylic case. Yeah. This is a great present. Great. Gift, uh, you know, dice set, I um, think. But they also have now their 12-sided keyword counters. Yes, these are which great. I love. Brand um, new. Because there are so many things now that give, like, that give creatures keywords. Yeah. Um, and it's, there's always just been, lo- like, the how do you represent that? Uh, you know, for a while there were, like, punch-out cards that came in packs that you could put on there. But with these, you can just keep track of it. I also love that they're kind of by, like, the color that it tends to be. Great. Um, right. And like on the little red die, you have stuff like menace um, on the green die. You have stuff like reach on the white die. You have stuff like vil- vigilance and first strike. Cool. Blue, you have stuff like flying um, and like some of them are obviously repeated. Yeah. Uh, but still very, just very, very cool. So you can buy this set of five dice. Yes. That come with the colors of magic. I just think that's so handy. Yeah. It's so helpful to have. So check them out, Ultra Pro. They've got so many different cool kinds of dice, keyword counter dice here, these beautiful Eclipse mm-hmm. dice series. So many different kinds of dice, yeah. honestly. They have their heavy metal dice. If check them out. If you were wondering what are the, uh, like all of the keywords on here. Oh, yeah. Plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one. Great. First strike, indestructible, hexproof, flying, lifelink, death touch, trample, menace, reach, vigilance. Nice. So if you were playing Crystalline Giant in any of your decks, buy five sets of these. You just need this whole thing. (laughs) You put them all on there. But check them out. You can use code GLHF at checkout for 5% off your order. So whatever you want, get it a little bit cheaper. Thanks to GLHF. Well, everybody, that's this episode of Good Luck High Five. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yes. Um, I loved learning about the early history of magic. I I now know so much more than the hazy space that was just (laughs) Richard Garfield invents magic. (laughs) Wasn't it great? It's such a good story. Yeah. Um, So uh, bringing us back to 1991, fun fact we want to leave you with. Yeah. um, The top grossing movie of 1991, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Great film. Great film. Really, really great time. Deserves it. Number two, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Wow. <laughs> Surprising. What a night and day difference in films there. Number three, Silence of the Lambs. Wow. <laughs> and number four, City Slickers. <laughs> like, what a year. The whole, I mean, anything you want in a film. There you go. What a the year top four in films. Media. <laughs> 
1991. Absolutely wild. Um, thank you so much for listening. Next week um, on our episode, we're going to be talking about all of the different ways that you can play magic. Yes. Um, because we get lots of people asking um, they're new to the game or they're getting back into the game and they ask us about different ways to play. So we want to do an episode that covers so many different ways, so many ways that you can play the uh, Magic the Gathering. Thank you so much to everybody who makes this show be birthed from your cat's mouth every yes. single week. Patreon.com slash GLHF Magic. Give us a nice pile of names to say thank you to when we hit uh, the live button on the 2nd of August. Uh, check out Ultra Pro. Use code GLHF for 5% off. Check out Card Kingdom at CardKingdom.com slash GLHF. They'll give you a free sticker or token in your order if you say GLHF when you get anything from them um and just thanks for listening you know I, i'm i'm so excited to know like that we get to be the people you hang out with in the summer yeah you know like i imagine we're on a tire swing with you like happy summer vibes <laughs> hey you know having some summer vibes eating a popsicle get ready to yak on the tire swing <laughs> It's been. Did you yak on a tire swing? No, I didn't. But oh, okay. like, that's my my strongest sense memory of tire swings is being dizzy. <laughs> Getting ready to yak next to Megan on the tire swing. What more do you want? Party time. <laughs>